I thought Mary Poppins was like the coolest and I'm definitely sort of a spoonful of sugar person anyway like just sort of a irritating sunbeam sort of Pollyanna person and I was always I think I mean that is a very cool trick that she has this bag where she can just pull out whatever she needs but if you watch the movie closely or read the book or whatnot you you realize there's the sort of sad undertone to her to her life and also she doesn't have all the answers and (laughs) I think if you carry around the bag with too many of the memories and the things that you're kind of clinging to I think that gets to be sort of a psychic weight that you're carrying without realizing it you don't even realize one day like how heavy it has actually become until finally you do set it down and you're like whoa what a relief you know Welcome to Curious Goldfish, a podcast community where music and curiosity come together through interesting conversations with the music makers of our world. I'm your host, Jason English. You can find Curious Goldfish in all the major podcasts and social media platforms. And of course, we have all of our content on our website, CuriousGoldfish.com. You never really know what direction some of these conversations with singer-songwriters and musicians are going to take. Sometimes they stay pretty high level about music tastes and upcoming albums. Other times, they might take a more personal turn, talking about personal struggles, challenges, heartbreak, all the things that might be the inspiration for great art. We cover most all of those angles in this episode with Vanessa Peters. But I didn't expect to have topics like AI bots and Malaysian troll farms to be part of the conversation. But that's the paradox for today's aspiring musician. Technology innovation has democratized the industry to allow artists more outlets to connect with their fans and also enabling fans to have more direct access to their favorite musicians. But that same technology can also throw unexpected obstacles into the mix, which Vanessa tells us about today. And she does tell us a lot about her new album, out in February 2024. Ironically, it's called Flying on Instruments. We're grateful Vanessa spent time with us during the 38 Songwriters Festival in Florida, and she performs two songs off that new album, accompanied by the sound of surf and warmth of sun behind her. Here's Vanessa Peters. Let's dive in. Vanessa, really appreciate your time. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're here in Florida for the Songwriters Festival. How many many times have you been here? This is my fourth, although it is my first time since 2020. It's okay. Been a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. How's the weekend gone so far? It's been nice. It's been really nice, actually. Do you approach this more focused on the performances that you have, or is it connecting with other artists in between gigs and stuff? Or what's your goal in a weekend like this? That's a good question. I mean, it is probably more gigs for me. Although in the years past, uh, you know, the artists get. Um, we get housing provided and so sometimes we're in a shared house with roommates and sometimes we're in a hotel and years past I've always been in a shared house and so it was a really great opportunity to make some new friends people I'd never met and I was also a little bit more centrally located so it was easier for me to kind of venue hop and meet some people okay this trip was a little bit different because I was 
uh, in a gorgeous hotel, but it's practically in Destin. It's like way far down mm. away. And so I was a little bit more isolated in that regard, I guess. But it was also nice because I was exhausted from travel. And so it kind of probably better that I didn't try to burn the candle at both ends and yeah. stay up late and go to all the showcases. I probably needed to catch up on my rest a little bit. So it all worked out. Do you try to see performances? I did. Last night I went after my, my set was over and drove across town over to go see uh, Toby Lightman and John Oates play, which was really nice. It was a really, really, uh, they had a lot of simpatico feeling. You yeah. Know? It was, it was a good set. So yeah, I saw good. John was that Friday. I mean the song the his hits are 50 years old. Yeah, I know. It's pretty rad. I yeah. actually got to open for him a couple of years ago in Texas uh, and in Charlotte, North Carolina randomly. Mm. He's a very nice guy. He's yeah. And it's it's fun to see this other side of him, the right. more Americana side, yeah, or whatever. But he did close with "She's Gone" last night, which was pretty rad. Oh, that's to be good. honest, just to hear it in a very acoustic, stripped yeah. down, stripped down way like that, you know, it was it was cool. So you mentioned so. you're exhausted from travel. Is that from the jet lag from Italy, or is that the 13 hour drive? From Dallas? <laughs> right, it's all the travels. Yeah, no, I had this crazy day where I like on Sunday I took a train from where I live down to Rome. And then had a very little sleep at the hotel and then got up and flew from Rome to Dallas. And then the next day I had to package and sign like 85 vinyl for my pre-orders and stuff for the new record. And then I had to go get like my guitar serviced and go get a rental car and <laughs> say hi to my parents. And then the next day I drove to 30A. So it was kind of, it was a little bit nuts, but I'm, I'm catching up on rest. I'll get there eventually. Look good. Look good. And you, do you live in Tuscany? I do. Oh my gosh. I know. That's not Dallas. It's not Dallas. It's true. And it's always so awkward because it's probably, I know that people instantly think like, oh, trust fund baby, or I don't know. It's just, you, you cannot say that you live in Italy without people going, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> but it's not like that. It's, it's a much longer story that yeah. involves like a lot of washing of dishes and slogging and bureaucracy and, and all sorts of things. So oh <laughs> dear listeners, rest assured, I didn't just waltz in on some sort of golden visa or whatever. Yeah. I can assure you. No judgment. <laughs> no, it's it's more know. FOMO and jealousy. <laughs> no, I know. I know. It's amazing. It's a, I'm not going to lie. It's yeah. beautiful. And you're probably tired from all the activity around a song release. Yeah. On Friday, the song's halfway through, mm -hmm. right? Your new album is out February 23rd. Yes. Right? Are you excited? I am excited. It's been a long time coming. We started recording it in January of 2022, and it had to be kind of backburnered because of life things. Like we decided to, to sell our house and move across the world and various <laughs> other <laughs> massive upheaval things happened. And so it just kind of got stuck for a while. But finally, finally, it's coming out. And I'm very glad. So That's exciting. And the song you, you released, that's the, that's the first one, mm -hmm. right? And you have another one coming out February 2nd, mm -hmm. right? It's called Better. Mm -hmm. Better. What, why halfway through as the, you know, the first, the lead the first track? Yeah. Um, it's well, for one it's definitely the so most sort of like polished poppy radio, possibly sounding song, I guess. It's the first one that I wrote of that batch of songs. And to me, it sort of feels like, like the mama bear of the songs. Like it feels the, like the song from which everything else came, I suppose, you know, um, thematically, I feel like it, it is one of the ones that ties the record together. There are a few others that also are sort of thematic temp pulls, but they're uh, probably a little too uh, introspective and slow for the modern world. So this one at least has a, a reasonable beat to yeah. it, you know? <laughs> so a chicken or egg question uh, for an album, does the theme come first or does the theme come 
from a collection of songs that you're like, oh, well, there you go. It depends. I've written some albums that I kind of sat down to write them almost as concept albums, you know, that were around certain characters or things like that. The last couple that I've written have not been that way. I've, I've just taken a batch of songs into the studio and recorded them all and then sifted through them to see which ones played nicely together. So Halfway Through was actually written uh, at the tail end of the modern age session, but it was just too, it was a little bit too country for, I'm not even really a, a country artist right. at all. And th- I wouldn't call the song country per se, but it has a little bit of country twang to it. And it just would have stuck out like a sore thumb yeah. on modern age. So we, we hacked it, but we hacked it by patting it nicely on the head and telling it, don't worry, song. <laughs> We got a special place for you on the next record. <laughs> help, help is on the way. Yeah, that's good. In the song, you mentioned Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. And I think you've, you've talked about the symbolism of the bag that she's carrying around. Mm-hmm. I guess, can, can you expand? Yeah, I mean, so I, I loved that movie growing up. I loved Julie Andrews. She was one of my idols. I thought Mary Poppins was like the coolest. And I'm definitely sort of a sp- spoonful of sugar person anyway. Like just sort of a irritating sunbeam sort of Pollyanna person. And I was always... I think, I mean, that is a very cool trick that she has this bag where she can just pull out whatever she needs, you know? But uh, if you watch the movie closely or read the book or whatnot, you, you realize there's the sort of sad undertone to her to her life. And also, she doesn't have all the answers. She, she can pull out a lot of things from the bag, but she can't pull out answers. She can't pull out Band-Aids to fix everything from there, you know? I'm one of those people that is definitely irritatingly over over prepared in all ways. Like I always have too many bags that I'm carrying full of post-its and pens and, and possible fix, fix it things. And as sort of a, it's almost like a talisman of warding off disaster. Like I'm going to be prepared so that there won't be any problems. And that's just this weird psycho control thing that I have to get past. And (laughs) I think if you carry around the bag, with too many of the memories and the things that you're kind of clinging to, I think that gets to be sort of a psychic weight that you're Mm. carrying without realizing it. It's also one of those things where like you have, you have this bag of emotions or whatnot that you're carrying and you're at, you add one thing at a time and it's kind of the boiling frog phenomenon. You don't even realize one day, like how heavy it has actually become until finally you do set it down and you're like, Whoa, what a relief, you know? So that's kind of that second verse in a nutshell. Was that drawn from something specific in your life? No, I think it was just kind of around in 2020, like every person on on the globe with a frontal lobe, they were mm. contemplating mortality and what to do with the rest of your life if if life was ever going to go on normally again. And if it did, where where would you want to go? What would you want to do? And maybe how would you want to be a different person? What sort of things would you like to shake off about your old self and maybe move forward, you know, sh- shed your skin sort of thing. So I think that's that was that was sort of the kernel of the song when I got started writing it. I mean, I was just about to turn 40 and, you know, your 40th birthday in lockdown is not terribly exciting. But I was lucky because I was at a recording session because at the time Italy had had a very uh, intense lockdown in the spring of 2020. So we didn't actually have any COVID cases in, tw- in the summer of 2020. So while here in the States, everybody, that was kind of when COVID really started raging for the first time was that right. summer of 2020. But we um, got to go on like kind of amazing vacations in the country where and everything was empty because there were no tourists you know it was like I saw this side of these beautiful places that I'll that I'll never get to see again and we were and we got to go into the studio um at a farmhouse to make this record and I was keenly aware of how how lucky I was to be able to do this at all while so many people like couldn't see their loved ones and I was hanging out with my 
with my bandmates and making this record and thinking like, man, this is, you never do know when it's your last shot to do this sort of thing. So put everything into it that you can, you know? Yeah. yeah. You mentioned earlier about no more clinging to the past and letting things sort of fester. I mean, that, that kind of goes back to, you know, this whole idea of being a goldfish. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you watch Ted Lasso? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like what, what did that, not really the show, but like the whole idea of, of that, the, the 10 second memory and kind of moving on. Did that resonate with you? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we talked about that a little bit earlier as well, but I mean, I think it's funny that, that, that Ted talks about, about the goldfish and how it's happy because it has such a short memory and we're meant to believe that that is what, what he, how he tries to live his life. And it may well be how, how he tries to live his life, but we also come to realize, you know, especially going through the series, like how much pain he is holding onto and is, is not really even letting himself acknowledge. And that's, again, he's sort of carrying that bag full of stuff that he hasn't figured out how to put down yet. Yeah, I was going to read, uh, setting this interview up, I gave you context of this podcast and kind of what we're trying to talk about and the idea of not letting things go and weigh you down. And you said in an email, though I'm not as good as, at it as Ted purports it to be, though perhaps neither is Ted, you know? <laughs> yeah. So like, I thought that was great because yeah, you know, he's Mr. Positive. He's the motivator. He's the leader. He seems like he's nothing phases him yeah yeah yeah. and then it gets dark yeah it does you're like man if this guy if it gets dark for this guy yeah he tries to work through it but yeah i thought that was a great point because the episode where the locker room is built on top or yeah built on top of this haunted area and they have the whole ceremony where they they sort of like you know uh purge the ghosts yes and it's like we all have our ghosts yeah totally even ted yeah you know yeah, no, it's a, uh, there's so many insightful things in that, in that series that are just really great lessons to learn. And I think he's, he's a classic example. And I know that I'm this way as well. I mean, if I ever would just take my own good advice, I'd probably be, I'd probably be set. You know what I mean? Like Ted is fantastic at motivating his players and giving right. them advice to live their lives, but he's not always that good at taking his own advice to live by it, you know? Right. And I think that that's one of the things that I know I'm guilty of for sure. People come to me. I, I'm, I'm a pretty good listener and I'm good at giving advice and I'm terrible at following my own. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, that's a good point. So the other aspect obviously is city, right? So, um, again, I think in another interview you said, if we're doing it right, then life is a process of discovery. And we're all still learning, still trying to figure out how to live our best lives. At this stage in your career, what are you most curious about? Hmm, that's a very good question. I guess I'm still curious about how to how to make music without without tying. I, I always want to put myself in it. I mean, it's, I can't imagine like not pouring myself into songs, but I would love to understand how to learn to put myself in it and then detach myself from it, mm. like to set it out into the world, but without tying any sort of, like if an album does well or if it's, if it's poorly reviewed, not taking that back on myself. You know what I mean? Like I made this thing and I'm happy with it. And so that's all that matters. Like just learning not to care what other people think about stuff is I'm, I'm very curious to know how other people do it (laughs) because I definitely don't have any idea how to do it still. I'm also curious just to like, just to explore other ways of writing songs. I've always kind of done it the same way. And the guys I play with in my, my band now are, they definitely approach it differently than I do. And I probably need to be better about coming to them and saying like, let's write a song your way instead of always being so demanding that it be done my way. You know? So what, what's the Vanessa Peters way? 
I mean, I just tend to take my guitar and go hole up in a room and work on lyrics. Uh, Usually I work on the lyrics first, and then I end up sort of noodling around on the guitar until I find a melody that fits the structure of the words. It's, It's rare that I write the music first. And they're definitely all music first people. They all went to conservatory and stuff, and they're, you know, classically trained. And I know that they approach it from a much different mindset than I do. And we started listening to a lot of jazz. And Steely Dan was like our uh, was our soundtrack for 2020. Gaucho. And yeah. That's, like, that's oh, a good man. album. We, we have listened to, if you look at my husband's Spotify, or if you looked at like the like his Spotify Unwrapped or yeah, whatever, unwrapped, yeah. it would be like 99% of your listening time was either Bill Evans or Steely Dan. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, it's pretty great. But those are two artists that I, that I never was interested in before. And... Um, but now I've sort of gained a lot of that musical vocabulary with just by osmosis, I sort of feel like. So I, I think it would be sort of interesting to start thinking, writing songs, thinking, how would Donald Fagan do this? Mm. It would be a challenge for sure for me. The new album, I think you've said too, that it's very personal and you're not using a lot of metaphors, mm-hmm. right? Was that, that just happened? Yeah, it just happened. It's just the way these songs came about. I mean... Some, like I said earlier, some of the records I've done that are more like concept albums definitely were more. I wrote a record a long time ago that was based heavily in Greek mythology. And so a lot of the a lot of the songs might have been drawn from my personal experience, but they were framed as other characters like like Penelope and Odysseus. And I had this whole backdrop thing where I was trying to convey a certain je ne sais quoi but (laughs) that's French you live in Italy (laughs) but on this record I wasn't doing that at all I wasn't trying I was just writing songs that were just coming from the heart I wasn't really trying to disguise them I wasn't trying to make it seem like they weren't about me it was just like yeah if you know me even in passing you can tell that these songs are about my life when it comes out what are one or two tracks that stick out to you that you're like hey you know if you're gonna listen to a couple songs give those give those yeah obviously the first two that you're pre-releasing but yeah I love how long it's tracks. Uh, um, it's where the title comes from. From flying on Inst- flying on instruments is is in the bridge of that song, and that song is super personal. It's definitely a song that sort of wrestles with mortality and tough decisions, and it kind of comes from again talking about Ted and people that are. I've always sort of considered myself an eternal optimist, and even though I feel like, especially the last couple of years, some days are just a slog when I think about all that is going wrong in the world constantly it just feels like the the world is on fire but i i still remain optimistic about the future but i said to my husband one day in passing i said i'm optimistic about the future but how long is it going to take to get there like where is this mythical future when are we ever going to get to this quote-unquote better future you know and so that's actually the the chorus of the songs is, and I'm optimistic about the future, but how long will it take to get there? I'm not sure. That the an, uh, analogy that if you're flying a plane, you can't see kind of where you're going. You're just yeah, kind of that, flying. Yeah, on that's the, where flying on yeah, instruments yeah. comes from. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the idea that you that you're basically the road ahead is dark and you mm. don't know what's ahead of you, and you're ba- you're just trying to take your best guess at this point to land safely. And there are several songs, track three is called Blind Curves, and it has a very similar theme about you don't know what's ahead and you're just, you're trying to wrestle with the weight of expectations that everybody else puts on you, but you're also trying to set your own path forward. And it's like, sometimes it's it's very hard to toe that line of, of being true to yourself, but also not wanting to let other people down. And it just, it's, it's impossible sometimes to f- not to feel like you're just wandering through a dark wood, mm. you know? Yeah. 
I, my, I, keep, I keep trying to, when I describe the record, I'm like, it's kind of depressing. And then my husband's like, it's not depressing. Don't tell people that it's introspective. And he's right. It's it, because at the end of the day, it's when I describe it to you like that, I'm like, God, that does sound really depressing. But um, every song has its resolution at the end where it's, it, it is going to be fine. Basically, you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And it may be dark for a long time, but eventually you will get through the wood. Eventually you will come out the other side. The song ends with a record called Wasted Days, and it ends with basically with a line saying, it's okay that there are bridges that you burned as long as the lesson that you learned is that as long as there are lessons that you have learned, then maybe they weren't wasted days. It's this funny sort of like almost electronic sounding song because we recorded it with Mellotrons and Bocaphones, like these weird little things that you put on your iPhone that make this like wah wah noise. And it's sort of strange and uh, and haunting. And I And I really like how it, it seems like it's going to be this very dark, sad song, but it ends with this idea that, you know what, as long as you learn something from it, whatever it was, it wasn't a waste of your time. You know, that's amazing. All right. That so, feels very Ted, too. Also. Yes. That's, that's, I love that. <laughs> Maybe I was Ted Lasso in a past life. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it. I wish. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's really good. So flying on instruments. What which album is this in your uh, portfolio? It's my 12th full length. Wow. And um, I guess 14th overall because I have two EPs as well. OK, so. Well, congratulations. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's, that's a good exciting. career. Yeah. That's good. I'm yeah. sure. And I'm sure not even close to being finished, obviously. I hope not. <laughs> You've talked a little bit in other interviews about the business side of things and how you wish you knew a few operating procedures. There wasn't a, an, a manual for you to learn the craft and learn the business side, but in, in those 12 albums, what do you wish you would have known? You know, there may have even been an operating manual and I was probably just too young and dumb to open it. But I started making music at a time when there was this little golden age right there at the end of the 90s, early 2000s, when the internet was exciting and wasn't scary for artists. When it actually seemed like a lot of potential to be able to connect with your fans and sell music directly without worrying about piracy. Because all that was so new and everything was changing so rapid, like all of a sudden you had to have a website and then you had to have a MySpace and then now, you know, now you have to have a SoundCloud and you have to have, so you're constantly having to learn these new platforms and stuff. And along the way, it's impossible for there not to be like digital cruft, like things that you didn't clean up properly. I had no idea that I should even consider trademarking my name because it never even occurred to me that that would ever be an issue. And it probably never would have been if it wasn't for AI bots. I was just reading this horrifying article oh today gosh. that I will I can forward to you just for yeah. your own perusal. But it's about this, this duo that released pre-released all their stuff on SoundCloud just for some friends to listen to. And some bots scraped it, changed all the titles, and re-released it under their own name. And so when they went to go release it, all the distributors rejected it because the digital fingerprints now belonged to somebody else crazy and it's just like i mean so wow. that that's stuff that like yeah. obviously when i started recording music in 2002 that right. like nobody could have told us yeah, about that you can't fathom but that yeah it would have been really nice to have i guess i've had the forethought to know i should trademark my, trademark my artist name i should take great care with copyright and with registering my songs with not only with BMI, but with sound exchange and all of these different collections. Even now, when I start to think about all of it, I'm like, Ugh, I get the t total heebie-jeebies because it's just a ton of paperwork and there's so much er margin for error. And mm. if you don't enter everything exactly correctly about who the writer is and who the composer is and who's the publisher, whatever, then you risk not getting anything at all. And since there's no money in most of what yeah. we do, it's like yeah, exactly. like the only money that might be out there is that money, you right. know? And it sucks to think that that's probably just sitting somewhere in an account because maybe I didn't enter the publisher name in the right 
column right. on this massive spreadsheet that they sent me to fill out, you know? So is all that stuff, oh. is that your responsibility or is that the record company? Well, so I self-released all my records until recently. Yeah. I've only just begun releasing with a, rec a small record label out of Dallas called Idol Records. Mm -hmm. In 2018, I released my first record with them. They do help a lot with that now, but I have, so like I, I released a couple of records as a band, my old band was called Vanessa Peters and Ice Cream on Mondays. It's a long story having yeah. to do with Italy. I had first, I had released some records as Vanessa Peters. And then in the interim, I released three with Ice Cream on Mondays. And then I went back to just being Vanessa Peters. This is a, a classic example of things that can't be fixed, apparently. Um, probably if I were Tom Petty and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, they could be fixed. But I, Vanessa Peters, cannot fix this problem. It's intractable. Those two artists exi exist separately, even though... It's me. I wrote it. I own all the yeah. copyrights. There's no record label in the middle. There's no pushback from the other band. Yeah. There's nothing. There's, there shouldn't be any, any obstacle. But yeah. I cannot combine them. What's funny is one of them, we wrote it with a plus, like the plus sign, Vanessa Peters plus Ice Cream on Mondays. The other two, we wrote it with an ampersand. The one with the plus is on my all my profiles, my Spotify and Apple and whatever. The other two, which I'm actually extremely proud of and which a lot of my early fans like really love those two records, Nobody knows they exist unless you followed me back in like 2006 or 2007 because they're not on any of the, they're on a page called Vanessa Peters and Ice Cream on Mondays that nobody knows exists yeah, because I don't different. actively yeah. promote that page yeah, because right. that band was, you know, dissolved right. 15 years ago. There's no reason for me to promote it, but it's sad that it's yeah. out there and I can't do jack shit about it. Yeah. And it's one of those things that's really, that it should be the easiest yeah. thing in the world to prove. Nope. I own the copyright. Can't do it. Sorry. And when you bring up things like Tom Petty and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are on the same page and they're like, well, you know, that's grandfathered in, blah, 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 whatever. So things like that are just that they make you want to beat your head against a wall. And an AI bot has stolen my name. Already? Yeah, this summer I, I encountered the problem, so I have begun to file for trademark. But it's like, I mean, where does it end? This is not what yeah. I signed up for. I signed up to make music. not Yeah, to, you just want to play songs. Not to fight robots. Yeah. <laughs> That was not on your bingo card when you no, became a musician. Definitely not. Definitely well, not. All right. Wild, huh? Yeah, that yeah. Cuz <laughs> cuz in some respects the technology advancements has probably enabled a lot of art and music to be distributed sure. to a broader audience and there's more accessibility, but sure. then there's there's the other side of it. Sure. Yeah. It, unfortunately, uh, it was also distributed to troll farms in Malaysia or whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's crazy. I have this one song that came out on a record in 2003 that I, I don't like it at all. In fact, if I could remove the, if I could easily remove the album from Spotify, I would. I mean, it was my first record. I didn't mm. know what I was doing. But somehow some weird bot activity started happening in Jakarta. And um, a bot was playing that song constantly. We still haven't figured out wh why <laughs> and, and like to what nefarious end. But for the longest time, it was in my top 10 of my Spotify. And I was like, I don't want this oh song gosh. in my top 10. I can't get it out of there. <laughs> without having to file a takedown you know and it's like i don't i don't actually want to take down the record i just don't want you, want you know and it's like yeah. what is this strange bizarre world we live in i don't know yeah how do you make sense of it all i mean i mean you, you know. don't you just try to i mean for you is it i'm gonna tour 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 or is it i'm gonna put albums out and do it that way is it the merchandise is it festivals like this how do you prioritize your yeah. Your priorities used to be merchandise was part of it, but I've gotten to where I really don't want to make stuff anymore. Mm. Like I make the bare minimum of vinyl that they will let me print mm. I make, because I just, I, I hate the impact that my unsold things are going to have in the future. I hate the idea of CDs and landfills and whatever else. Also, it irritates me that we are told as artists 
that our music isn't worth anything. People don't have to pay me for no, my exactly, music, but exactly. they'll pay me $30 for a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. What is that? Yeah, I'm not Land's Inn. Yeah, I'm not The yeah. Gap. You pay The Gap $30 for a t-shirt. You pay me $30 for a vinyl or don't do whatever. But like, why should I have to make keychains to make a living? That's, it's upside that's down. absurd, yeah, right? Yeah. We can all agree that's very silly. I would love it if touring made enough money to be sensical but it, it isn't for me anyway um, it was going pretty well prior to covid but it cratered pretty hard after that just yeah. because of in, in part because of where i'm located and uh, a variety of things we'll see if this if this record helps kind of launch it back off again and yeah. if it doesn't it's okay um yeah. we've we've both kind of i say we both because my husband is my he's also the producer he plays drums in the band as well uh, he's the recording engineer. So, you know, we, we, we plan these records as a team and we've both kind of decided at this point, like we make them for ourselves and for the little loyal cache of listeners that we have. And then like, if other people find it, that's great. And that, that's, that is why I come to things like 30A because you're likely to be in front of a room full of captive listeners that maybe weren't there to see you, but might be interested in finding out more about your music after they go home. No, you know? totally. And um, people appreciate the stories behind yeah, the songs and definitely. the lyrics. And obviously you care you yeah. know, about the meaning and what that entails. So the rest of the year, obviously the album comes out next month. What, what are your goals the rest of the year? We have some touring in March in February and March in Europe. And then I would like to come back uh, in the summer or the fall for some shows over here, but life is complicated. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I have a day job as well, and it's just kind of a lot of juggling. Travel in the summer is expensive, and when the planes are oversold, and et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see. What's your day job? It's, uh, you know, magic, creating magic. (laughs) Like Mary Mary Poppins? Like Mary Poppins, yeah. yeah. I do a lot of wriggling my nose and making rooms snap into place. Okay. Well, yeah. that's, that's interesting. The world will just have to wonder what my day I job is. Yes, man. I didn't expect <laughs> that. But, all right. Well, good for you. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I, re- I respect the hustle. Yeah. You know, like this is not easy what you're doing from a music side. Oh, no, side. this is full time. Yeah. And then I also do something else full time as well, which yeah. is kind of crazy. Yeah. I recognize that. But I feel lucky to be able to still be doing it after 2020. And after, just in general, it's it's better to, to err on the side of gratitude. So. Does music mean something different to you today than it did when you started? Mm. I think I, I both, I both love it and am frustrated by it in equal measure more than I once was probably. I think in the past it was a, it was nothing but potential. The road ahead was, was paved with possibilities. And now it's, it's become a bit more clear that it will be difficult um, to, to springboard into making a sustainable living in music. Let's put it at at this point in my life and career is, is, probably not going to happen and that was uh, a little hard to come to terms with just because I because I did work so hard at it for so long but letting go of that also kind of frees you to make the records that you want and to you know release them on your own schedule and to sort of you know like I was saying earlier so I'm I'm working towards that I'm I'm working towards sort of just accepting the fact that I I do lead an enormously privileged and blessed life whether or not Mm. my records ever sell another copy and as long as some people out there listen to them and connect with them, then that then, then that's enough, you know. Well, we appreciate your music, and we're Thank glad you. that you're doing it, and we're Thank excited you. for the new album. Uh, would you play a song or two? Sure, All right. sure, be happy to. Thanks, Vanessa. You're welcome. Thank you. My name is Vanessa Peters, and this is a song called Halfway Through. Oh. 
Oh, how much time did I waste? Missing a person or a place When I was never really gone Cause I was always hanging on Stuck somewhere off in the past Trying to make some feeling last But I should really let it go You think by now I'd know I'm about halfway through this thing But still trying to figure out What to carry, what to leave behind And what I can do without I'm about halfway through this thing And I'm about halfway through this thing An emotional pack rat I've carried my whole life on my back In my Mary Poppins bag But now I'm waving the white flag I'm about halfway through this thing But still trying to figure out What to carry, what to leave behind And what I can do without I'm about halfway through this thing And I'm about halfway through this thing sure that there'd be some kind of thought and I was well prepared like any good girl scout ready to battle back all of the doubt hold my ground here in my hideout Now I'm about halfway through this thing But still trying to figure out What to carry, what to leave behind And what I can do without I'm about halfway through this thing And I'm about halfway through this thing Still learning as I go I'm still learning as I go
I'm still learning as I go. All right, this song is called Better. It's another song from the new record called Flying on Instruments. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Curious Goldfish. Please follow and subscribe to the podcast and on social media. Also, tell your music-loving friends about us too. Until next time, stay curious.